KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Viruses are just tiny packages of genetic material and maybe a little bit of protein that can get into your body, take over its machinery, and replicate themselves so they can take over more cells and just keep replicating. And as they do this, that can cause harm to their hosts. They don't have plans, they don't have intentions. They just replicate because replicating helps them infect more people. Now, whether or not a virus is alive or not, well, I remember when I was in middle school and I had a biology teacher say that there were scientists in the world who would come to blows fighting about whether or not a virus was alive or not alive. And I thought that was kind of silly. And now I'm one of those scientists. I call viruses organisms, but I don't call them living organisms. So I guess I hedge my bet towards not alive, but biological and capable of evolution. Okay, that description makes me think of John Carpenter's The Thing. So a virus, like The Thing, isn't something that you can reason with. It's just looking for a host. It's a parasite that needs a living host. But unlike other parasites that have the ability to grow and live on their own, a virus can only survive by getting into a host cell. That's horror. Welcome to another edition of listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. The Thing is a work of science fiction, but Steven Soderbergh's 2011 film Contagion plays out like a blueprint for what we're dealing with today with the coronavirus. Contagion is so accurate in depicting a pandemic that UC San Diego professor Joel Wertheim uses it to teach a class on epidemiology every fall. Wertheim is a UC San Diego assistant professor, Division of Infectious Diseases and Global Public Health in the Department of Medicine. I invited him on my podcast so we could talk about what we can learn about today's pandemic by watching a film about a fictional one. I need to take the first of two breaks, and then I'll be back with my interview with Joel Wertheim. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Joel, I wanted to talk to you about films that deal with pandemics. But first, give us a little background on who you are and kind of what your connection to epidemiology is. So my training is in evolutionary biology. When I look in the mirror, I see an evolutionary biologist staring back at me. But I've applied my training to understanding how viruses spread among people using the uh, virus's genetic sequence uh, to track how it moves from person to person and from place to place. It seems like this is a time when those particular skills in tracking things, uh, you must be very much aware of how this disease is moving and the potential dangers. 
Yes, uh, as a child, seeing the Ebola outbreaks in the 90s, I really wanted to understand what was happening in detail. And I've spent a lot of my life trying to understand this even better and to learn more about how pathogens spread and what the underlying uh, causes are. And now I find myself in the position where my expertise, very relevant to the front page of the news every day, it's a world that I'm prepared for, but not too happy to be living in. So Joel, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is that you teach a class on epidemiology that uses the film Contagion as kind of a jumping off point. What about this film makes it useful for you? I remember when I first saw the movie, I was taken aback at how realistic it was. It seemed less like a three-act film and more like this instructive video on what a pandemic is going to look like. At the same time, it's remarkably entertaining. It was a lot different than the previous movies I had seen uh, on pandemics and ones that were far more uh, fanciful. And how do you use it in the classroom? At the beginning of the class, uh, I have every student watch the film uh, from beginning to end uh, before we even meet. And then I start every uh, class with a clip from the film that uh, goes over a topic that we will discuss that week. Uh, and I'll also have them uh, read papers on that specific topic. But every class begins with a clip. So do you use different clips kind of for each session? Uh, yes. So uh, usually we'll start if we need to explain uh, contact tracing among people who've been infected. There's uh, an excellent scene uh, where Kate Winslet's character uh, interviews a patient and uh, asks them about their contacts and the contacts of his wife. And that's a very realistic uh, approach. Did she mention seeing anyone who was sick? Anyone on a, on a plane? No. She went through customs in Chicago at 11.15 a.m. and then took a flight to Minneapolis at 6 p.m. Any idea what she did in Chicago during that layover? Did she have meetings? Is there any reason she might have left the airport? Why? I mean, is, uh, is there someone sick in Chicago? Uh, before we were married, my, my wife had a relationship with a man in Chicago named John Neal. Is John Neal sick? Did we get this from him? We're investigating all the... All the well, no, no, I think I have a right to know. Look at where I am here. We, Look at where I, I am can, here. I can't. I, no, I'm just. I can't I, disclose I'm that just information. Trying to I'm understand. Sorry. I know. There are other scenes where she explains complex uh, epidemiological concepts like R naught, which now I would say uh, a good chunk of America could explain to each other. What we need to determine is this: for every person who gets sick. How many other people are they likely to infect? So for seasonal flu, that's usually about one. Smallpox, on the other hand, it's over three. Now, before we had a vaccine, polio spread at a rate between 
four and six. Now, we call that number the R-naught. R stands for the reproductive rate of the virus. Any ideas what that might be for this? How fast it multiplies depends on a variety of factors. The incubation period, how long a person is contagious. Sometimes people can be contagious without even having symptoms. We need to know that too. And we need to know how big the population of people susceptible to the virus might be. So far that appears to be everyone with hands, a mouth, and a nose. Once we know the R-naught, we'll be able to get a handle on the scale of the epidemic. So it's an epidemic now. An epidemic of what? We send samples to the CDC. In 72 hours, we'll know what it is. Now, the opening from that film, especially in today's context, is really, it's one of the more kind of terrifying things you can watch because it's a very casual look at how many things people touch just in everyday life and just in a simple interaction and it just follows Gwyneth Paltrow's character and her credit card and where it goes and her the drink so um, talk a little bit about that scene and kind of what it can convey to us in today's times well I was just at the grocery store the other day one of my first times out uh, since we've all been asked to self-isolate and in this situation you really start to notice everything that you touch and that's not really something that you would think about if you weren't uh, watching a movie on a pandemic or living through one and it's amazing how hyper aware uh, that scene makes you of everything around you and how potentially uh, there could be pathogens lying on there waiting to infect you. Yeah, it's a really well done sequence in how kind of I, and one of the things I like about the film is that on a certain level, it's very low key, even though it's dealing with things that have kind of like enormous impact. It's not like sensationalizing stuff. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, one of my favorite parts of it is uh, where uh, somebody from uh, national security asks uh, the head of the CDC about sort of weaponizing uh, pathogens or bird flu and he tells them that's already happening in nature. I think the quote is the birds are already doing it which is true when you look at these coronaviruses within bats there are just myriad viruses that are that could jump into people and some of them won't be very pathogenic and some of them will you know cause extreme mortality and burn out like SARS and then some are just very transmissible and fairly uh, deadly. And that's what we're experiencing now. And it's all there in nature. You don't need to sort of gussy it up. It's very frightening sort of just under the surface. We're getting the same results as Sussman. We've sequenced the virus and determined its origin, and we've modeled the way it enters the cells of the lung and the brain. And the virus contains both bat and pig sequences. And in the bottom right, you can see the dark green is pig, and the light green is bat. And here you can see the crossover event, uh, bat, bat, and pig, bat. And here is a model of the virus and how it attaches to its host. Uh, the blue is virus and the gold is human and the red is the viral attachment protein and the green is its receptor in the human cells. And these receptors are found in the cells of both uh, the respiratory tract and the central nervous system. And the 
virus attaches to the cell like a key slipping into a lock. Somewhere in the world, the wrong pig met up with the wrong bat. You ever seen anything like this before? No. And it's still changing. It's figuring us out faster than we're figuring it out. It doesn't have anything else to do. That was a clip from the film Contagion. I'll be back after this final quick break with the rest of my interview with Joel Wertheim. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. And one of the things that the the film kind of leans into a little more than what I'm actually seeing play out in the real world is uh, in the film, Jude Law's character, someone who does not trust the CDC and the WHO and is insisting how unreliable they are. Let me bring in Alan Crumwoody into this debate as well. Uh, Alan's a freelance journalist. Uh, he was uh, the first to track the Shinko Busman video. Uh, Alan, uh, today on Twitter, you, you wrote that the truth about this virus is being kept from the world by the CDC, by the World Health Organization, to allow friends of the current administration to benefit from it, both financially and physically. Uh, there are therapies we know are effective right now, like Forsythia, and they don't even appear on the CDC website. On your blog, you also wrote that the World Health Organization is somehow in bed with pharmaceutical companies. Because they are. That's who stands to gain from this. They're working hand in glove. And the hand is reaching into our pockets. The CDC is exploring forsythia and other homeopathic treatments, but right now, there's no science to back any of these claims. It seems in this pandemic that we are looking to those organizations for a lot of the information that we are finding useful. Yes, as, as we should. Um, I, I work with CDC. I have long-time collaborators there. Uh, they, they fund me, the NIH funds my research, and they're who we should be looking to right now because they are the experts and they have our best interests at heart. Uh, that said, there are some people out there who are trying to make noise, suggesting that this is, you know, either the overreaction is a conspiracy or, you know, the origin of the virus is a conspiracy. And, you know, the internet is certainly helping them with their misinformation, but it's the responsibility and the duty of public health officials to drown them out and get the important message out to the American people. And in looking at a film like Contagion in your class or just in general, what do you think people now, like if somebody were to go online and stream that film, what could they get from that film that might be helpful to them? I showed it to my mother last week. She had seen it before, and I thought it would be good for her to watch it again, just to make her acutely aware of what can happen and how we need to best react. The social isolation, the, the not touching of uh, objects or people, I think it's very uh, instructive in that regard. Plus, I, I think um, a, a healthy dose of concern and a modicum of fear isn't the worst thing right now uh, to sort of keep us away uh, from one another. Uh, the film also does deal with the sense of panic that can occur when people don't have all the information or are overly concerned or underly concerned by information they're getting. 
today, social media seems to be a much bigger part of the world than when the film Contagion was made. How do you feel that is helping or hindering dealing with a pandemic? Well, I can only uh, speak to sort of my social media and my Facebook feed is filled with epidemiologists and scientists and doctors, and they are just uh, posting some really great information all the time. Now, it's true that even sort of well-intentioned people get things wrong, but they seem to be working really hard to correct when that happens and to put you know, the best information out. And of course, you know, things change very quickly. What everyone thought was a good idea four days ago, um, well, we've moved past that. That said, in the darker parts of uh, you know, the internet, uh, I'm sure that uh, sort of less helpful information is being spread. I'm just not friends with them on Facebook. Now, as somebody who's an epidemiologist, it seems like on a daily basis, you're dealing with information that is what horror films are made of. I mean, the sense of like, these are tiny little microbes, you know, so small we can't see them. And, you know, some people don't even consider them living organisms, so they're not even something that you could think about reasoning with. And yet these are the things that can completely devastate humanity in different ways. Yeah. So uh, first, let me say that I wish that my expertise was not relevant to the state of the world right now. It's not a good day when friends and family and family friends are calling me up asking for my opinion on rapid spread of viruses around the world and how to react. But at the same time, for those of us who study this, that is the world that we understand. Infectious disease has shaped human history uh, since the beginning. And the way we order our societies and the way that a lot of our culture is built has its history in, us, in the way we, we respond to infectious disease. With a film like Contagion, also Max Brooks's World War Z book, both of these seem very kind of prescient in terms of some of the specifics of their fictitious stories. Both have the virus starting in China. Both have the sense of information being repressed at the initial point, possibly making it worse. So it seems like with fictitious stories kind of laying this groundwork, it doesn't seem like that helped us in any way to be more prepared. I, I do wish we had, we as a society had taken this threat a little more seriously. Part of the reason that Contagion was able to be so accurate is because it was based on a whole lot of other similar events that had happened. The uh, uh, the SARS epidemic in 2002 and 2003, um, the viruses like uh, the Nipah virus and Hendra, which uh, the virus and contagion was based on, uh, that uh, went from bats possibly to pigs then into humans or in Hendra uh, horses. And they didn't really go sort of pandemic in that sense, but they clearly had the opportunity to. And it was just sort of that one last step, that sustained human-to-human transmission uh, that was missing. But, I mean, I, th- I think it's a, it's a spectacular film, but it didn't require 
a lot of imagination to see this happening, to present it so elegantly, you know, took a lot of skill, but this, this wasn't out of left field. People ask me, you know, could you ever imagine something like this happening? And the answer is yes. You mentioned about epidemics through history. So uh, the sense that there have been multiple times, whether it's something, uh, you know, as devastating as the Black Plague or Spanish flu. I mean, we've had these kind of things happen at regular intervals. So is this something that people just need to be kind of ready for? Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this kind of threat for a while, and there was some concern that, you know, the swine flu pandemic would be this, and fortunately it wasn't. But earlier generations had polio or the 1918 influenza pandemic, and these are regular occurrences in in human history. We need to understand what's happening now is natural in that a, a virus has jumped into a new host, and is spreading around the world. And epidemics through history have changed the course of history in terms of like reorganizing society and, and changing who's in power and things like that. Yeah, so we've, I mean, we've seen sort of, you know, the, 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 the collapse of uh, entire civilizations in the Americas, Black Plague sort of reorganizing the political structure of Europe, I think one of the most important things we have is the availability of clean water, which is directly due to uh, infectious agents like uh, cholera bacteria, which had several pandemics on its own. And that need for clean drinking water structures a lot of our cities. And is there anything from pop culture, from films, from books that you feel can be helpful for people at this point in time? You know, some people are stuck at home. Can you suggest anything, streaming movies or books maybe, that can either reassure their anxiety or maybe give them kind of a cathartic way to work through it? <laughs> well, my one of my favorite films is another a global pandemic film, 12 Monkeys by Terry Gilliam. Five billion people died in 1996 and 1997. Almost the entire population of the world. Only about 1% of us survived. Are you going to save us, Mr. Cole? How can I save you? This already happened. I can't save you. Nobody can. I am simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. We're not in the present now, Mr. Cole? No. 1990 is the past. This already happened. That's what I'm trying to... Mr. Cole? Mr. Cole? You believe 1996 is the present, then? Is that it? No. 1996 is the past, too. Listen to me. What I... What I... What I need to do is make a telephone call. I I can straighten this all out if I make a telephone call. Uh, Who would you call? Who would straighten everything out? The scientists, they'll want to know that they sent me to the wrong time. I can leave a voicemail message that they monitor from the present. Can I just make one telephone call, please? Please. It is as unrealistic as contagion is realistic. Uh, It involves uh, time travel and the like, but it's a beautiful film and um, it lets you know where we're not going because we're not heading towards the collapse of civilization here in 
most of the rest of the world, you know, the power is still on and the water is still flowing. So uh, we're just, we're just in this for the long haul. We need to hunker down, but this isn't the apocalypse. In that sense, I, I think a book by Philip Roth called Nemesis, which was about uh, the spread of polio post-World War II. And uh, it illustrates the fear that comes with uh, a new infectious disease that seems to be striking down people for no reason. Um, and in that case, it was children, which was far, far scarier. Um, is there anything else that you want to add, um, either about uh, how the film Contagion kind of comments on our current situation or, or anything about this current pandemic? Oh, there, there are, I, I guess, two, if just the opportunity to comment. Uh, one, of, uh, one of the aspects of Contagion that I liked the most as a scientist is it really shows how scientists uh, are, are people too, and people who, uh, despite the job that they're doing here, react to a pandemic in very human ways. There's an example of uh, a scientist who refuses to uh, destroy samples when he's told to, and there was an example of uh, a doctor in Seattle who was testing for the coronavirus, even though she was told not to, and uh, in retrospect, people uh, are hailing her uh, as a hero for that. So, sort of scientists making human choices. Dr. Sussman's office. Ian, hi, Ali Hextel. We need to shut you down. This thing's too hot. Uh, BSL-4 only at this point. I think that's a mistake. Cook your samples, uh, destroy everything. We can't risk it. We're making progress. You limit this to government-run BSL-4s, it'll take forever. I can do this. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sure, Ali. I also like, in, in the film, how they show all of the sort of different uh, roles that different scientists can play, those who are developing uh, vaccines, those who are tracking the virus through its genetic sequence, those who are helping sort of managing the message to people, uh, to, to the rest of America, and helping us realize that there are a lot of roles to play and a lot of different people uh, behind the scenes who are working hard uh, to help uh, combat this pandemic. It seemed like in the film, the um, the process getting to the vaccine is probably faster than what we would see in the real world. Oh, uh, yes. The, uh, the vaccine production in the movie uh, was definitely science fiction. Uh, it was far faster than was possible when that movie came out. And I, I read something that that was intentional because they figured, you know, in the future, we'll be able to produce a vaccine that fast. And it's a real failing that in the nearly 10 years since that movie came out, we still can't. And that lets us know that we knew the problems that needed to be addressed. There just wasn't the money and the political will to make it happen. Okay. Well, I want to thank you very much for talking to me about Contagion. Absolutely. I, I like talking about it. That was UC professor Joel Wertheim talking about the film Contagion. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cinema Junkie Podcast. 
and coming up to help you through this coronavirus lockdown. I'll have a list of the best pandemic films to watch while sheltering at home, as well as an interview with the Doctor of the Dead to tell us what we can learn from zombies about global pandemics. But if you're looking for escape, I'll also be talking with some of my TCM friends about the best escapist fair to watch. So till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.